What is this season all about? All right, think and ponder to yourself. What is this season all about? You see, this week I, I got reminded of something that I want to share with you. I had the privilege earlier this month to um, do this special job. Um, and I don't know if you realize this, but Santa works at Simpsons Hardware. I don't know if you realize that. But um, Santa Ronnie is his name. And I was asked by Simpsons to come and to take pictures. They were going to have an appearance with Santa and wanted someone to come and take pictures. And so I was in there actually yesterday. My um, opening for this message changed because of this conversation with Santa Ronnie yesterday. But that was earlier this month, and so I saw him, and we wished each other Merry Christmas. And he talked about how much he enjoyed that, right, getting to spend time with those little kids. And he said, Chris... I wasn't prepared for what one little girl asked for. And as she climbed onto his lap and and had a visit with Santa, he said, well, sweetie, what do you want for Christmas? And she looked at him and she said, I just want my mama to be happy. From a child, not a toy, not a baby doll, not makeup, but for her mother to be happy. What a reminder that is as we've been talking this month about the, the season of Advent. And the word Advent literally just means an arrival, an appearing, and coming. And it's been a time for us as a church to, to spiritually prepare and to reflect on what Christmas really means. Our focus these last few weeks have been on the coming of Christ to Bethlehem stable and what that means for us some 2,000 years later. Why, why does it matter? Because you see, Advent is a time to remember and to ponder the true peace, hope, joy, And love that the birth of Jesus Christ makes possible for each and every one of us. We've looked at that hope. That the Christmas season brings hope. And we said that hope came down and his name is Jesus. Do you get that picture this morning that hope came down? That we can be hopeful because Jesus came. But I also ask you the question and made the statement that what we do with the hope we've been given matters. Right? Jesus came so that we might have hope and what we do with that hope matters. Amen? We've said that Jesus came down so that hope may go out, that that joy may be contagious, and that His love may be lived out. Right? That hope may go out. How is it going to spread? It's going to spread by those of us who believe in who Jesus is and what he came to do. And that that's where we find our hope. And if we find our hope in him, why not share that hope with others? Hope came that believers might spread the hope. That joy might be contagious. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you think about it. Um... 
I said one time I heard in a conference and it just, it struck a chord with me. It's one of those nuggets that just, I began to ponder. Calm is contagious, right? Calm is contagious. If you're around someone, I have someone in my life, my father-in-law, he is a big C in, in, in my life and in our family. Why? Because when he comes to a situation, he brings calmness. Amen. And when, and even though in the midst of whatever's going on, that calm, that, that hope spreads to other people. And that's how it should be with believers as well. And so this morning, we're going to look at why we can indeed call this a season of love. And so if you will, take your copy of God's Word, and we're going to turn over to the Gospel of John. So remember, that's right near the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So while you're turning over to the Gospel of John, I just want to remind you of who John is. Okay? Who John is. John was an eyewitness. So these things that he's writing, he saw with his very own eyes. Remember that John is called the one whom Jesus loved. John wrote the book of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he wrote the book of Revelation. Revelation, no S, book of Revelation. John had a strong belief in the full deity of Christ. And in his gospel, he hammers home the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. We can't forget either, y'all, that John was in Jesus' inner circle. Right? Because who do we typically hear? Peter, James, and John. So John was in the inner circle of Christ. One of those three that, that just walk with him more intimately than the others. And lastly, John's language is simple and his vocabulary is small. His vocabulary is that of probably a seven-year-old. So listen, if you have somebody, as we enter this season of Christmas, you still got one day to shop. If you were to give somebody a Bible, where do we typically send them? We send them to the book of John. Why? Because there's so much there, but because it's so simple. It's written that a child might understand what is being said. So this morning we're going to look at a few verses in John chapter 3. They're very familiar, but don't just, um, don't let their familiarity cause you to skip on past, right? We're going to take and we're going to slow down just a little bit. And we're going to unpack some of the truths that we see. So we're going to read John three sixteen through 19. For the word of the Lord says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. See, everybody wants to read verse 16. Stop there. You've got to read 16 17. But listen to what 18 and 19 say. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. May the Lord bless the reading and teaching of His Word. So let's take a minute and kind of go back and, and step through this particular passage. Right? For God so loved the world. 
See, Christmas is a season of love. In my, in my notes as I was studying this, I put a little heart around love. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved Sumter, South Carolina. It doesn't say that God so loved just those that were clean or that those that looked like what other believers think they should look like, right? It says, no, it says, for God so loved the world. That includes all, amen? Because I believe in my heart and mind that there is no person too far gone that the hand of God cannot reach and cannot save. It says he sent his son into, because he loved the world. He loved the world. He loved what he had created. We're told that he gave his only son that whoever, or or the King James probably says, whosoever believes. But it's believes in the creed of the church. No. Is it believes in the constitutions and the bylaws of a church? No. Is it believes in rituals and traditions? No, it says believes in Him. Who is Him? He is Jesus, right? To believe in Jesus. That is what it means to be saved. But believes in Him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. That's why Jesus came. But see, most people just, they know that verse and praise God that they do. But verse 17, God did not send his world into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be what? Saved through him. Amen? You see that? Saved through him. He is Jesus. To be saved through Jesus. It doesn't doesn't say saved through church attendance. It doesn't say saved through your abundant giving to the church. It doesn't say saved through your righteous deeds. No, it says saved through Jesus. And then in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light. So if there's one thing you learned today about Jesus, that Jesus is light. Amen? And we see that in the text. It says, the light has come into the world. But listen, the gospel. See, this is why I love the gospel. If man wrote the gospel, he wouldn't put these things in there. Right? If the gospel, if if the Bible was not inspired by the Lord himself, man would leave stuff out, right? We would just say, well, no, I don't, we don't need to hear that. They don't, they don't need to hear that. But what? The Lord does not spare details. He says, as the light has come, Jesus has come into the world. But listen, people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. What does light do? It reveals flaws. It reveals things. And so people do not want to come to the light. They don't want to come to Jesus because what he reveals about who we really are. Jesus came at Christmas time because he loves you. That's why Jesus came, because he loves you. Listen, if you want to know love, then seek Jesus. If you want to understand love, 
then study Jesus. If you want others to experience true love, then express love like Jesus. Think about that for a minute. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to the world. And Jesus loved those whom he came in contact with. We see it all throughout the New Testament. We see it all throughout the gospel that Jesus loved those whom he came in contact with. And Jesus loved them and he loves you and me So much so that he would die on an old tree, on a rugged cross, which was meant for you and me. What a picture of love. Amen? That that's what Jesus would do. He came. And y'all don't miss this. Don't miss this. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance. Right? He didn't come with a band playing. He didn't come with... All these things happening around him. No, he came as a lowly babe in the wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But more than that, the text tells us, and as, as, as great scholars have studied, that, that manger that he was laid in was more or less a feeding trough, right? Where animals had probably come for a drink of water or uh, for some food earlier in the day, right? That's where they laid Jesus. Not in that. They would have hopefully dumped it out, obviously. But do you get a picture of who Jesus is? If, if he's laying in that trough where animals had earlier come to drink and to eat, then it's a reminder of who Jesus is. Because who did Jesus say he is? That he is what? The bread of life. That he is living water. That all those that come to him will not thirst again. Now, that's not a physical thirst. That's a spiritual thirst. Thirst. Amen. So what a great picture of who Jesus is in his birth. For our guests this morning, I want to remind you of this. And, and our people here at Bible Fellowship are probably tired of hearing it. But guess what? I don't get tired of hearing it because it's a great reminder. And that is this, that the gospel came to you because it was headed to someone else. God never intended for your salvation to be an end, but a beginning. Amen. God saved you to be a conduit through whom his glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others. Get this, y'all. Get this. As Christmas is a season of hope and a season of joy and a season of peace and a season of joy, that's not just for you as a believer, but as you leave these four walls, you are to go out and to be the light of the world. The Word tells us that you don't light a light and hide it under a basket. No, you put it out so it may be seen, right? We're to go out and we're to live a life of loving like Jesus. Amen? That's what we're to do. Christmas is a season of love. We get the greatest picture of what love is. God sent his son so that you might believe. That you might believe. And we saw that four times as we're studying through these verses this morning. Believe. Believe. Now listen, as as I just put this sign up here, I'm not asking you to believe in Santa Claus. But I'm reminding and I'm calling you to believe in Jesus. As I was studying and as reading this, and it was like, okay, wow, what are these? Okay, wow, believe. One, two, three, four times in these few verses, he's saying, believe, believe. And I looked up from where I was studying, guess what? We had this sign in our house. I said, well, thank you, God. What a great reminder. Believe. 
And then I also thought about a song, and, and it includes those lyrics, but I'll share that in just a second. But as I was wrapping up my message, because I always go back and I reread it and I look at it on Sunday morning, I went back and added this. On Sunday, May the 3rd, 2015, I preached a message here at Bible Fellowship Church called Something to Believe in. And I challenge you guys to remember this. When we believe in something, it means that we accept it as true. We feel sure of a truth that we have faith and that we feel sure that someone is capable of a particular action. That someone is Jesus. I also share with you a couple of great and challenging quotes. And what a great reminder, especially on the eve of Christmas Eve, that we should reread these thoughts. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said this, he said, It is only because he, Jesus, became like us that we can become like him. Do you see that? What a beautiful picture that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, in the form of a babe, the God-man, in flesh, so that we might become like Jesus. What a truth as we celebrate his birth. And I also share with you a quote that day from Oswald Chambers. He said, belief in Jesus is a miracle produced only by the effectiveness of redemption. Not by impressive speech, nor by wooing or persuading, but only the sheer unaided power of God. The creative power of redemption comes through the preaching of the gospel, but never because of the personality of a preacher. Amen? And can I remind you something this morning? No matter who fills this pulpit, no matter who fills this pulpit, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, this is one of the things I want you to hear. What are you praying for? When it comes to Sunday morning, when it comes to the man of God who stands before you to preach and teach God's word, what are you praying for? And the quotes that we just read remind me that we should never seek a man of God simply because he is a good speaker, that he's funnier, that he's charismatic. No, we should pray and seek that the gospel would be proclaimed and that in its power, and only its power, that lives will be forever changed, that the power and presence of the Holy Spirit will have its way in our services. That we will make much of Jesus and do His will. If we come to God's house, as we look forward to 2019, and, and, and the Lord tarries, and I'm here for whatever longer season that I'm here, we are to come here each and every Sunday and make much of Jesus. Amen. It is not about what we want. It is not about what else we think is right. But we're to come and to make much of Jesus. I mentioned a song earlier. So as I thought about Believe, I love 80s music. And so there's a song by, I'm pretty sure none of you have ever heard this song, but it's by a group named Poison. And their lead, their lead singer is Brett Michaels. And Brett, uh, their, their band wrote a song called Something to Believe in. 
right? So I'm, I'm studying scripture and it's like a squirrel, right? Sometimes, or a shiny chicken, as people say. It's like, believe. And then it was like, okay, look in front of me and there's the belief sign. It's like, wait a second. Give me something to believe. Oh, there's a song like that. So then I start Googling the song. I start reading the song. And I started listening. I started reading, sorry, reading what the song was about. And that song was birthed out of tragedy. On Christmas Eve of that particular year, Brett Michaels' best friend and his bodyguard, Chemo, died very unexpectedly. Christmas Eve. What a way to lose your best friend. But you see, the sex, drugs, and life of rock and roll had taken its toll. And so Brett went back into wherever he was and he penned the words to that song. Give me something to believe in. Can I tell you something this morning, friends? All around us, behind us, beside us, in front of us, there are people saying, Give me something to believe in. Right? They're trying to find that hope. They're trying to find that joy. They're trying to find that peace. They're trying to find that love in all kinds of things. Addictions. Right? Why? Because they're, they, they want relief. They want love. They want to feel included. Why do you think gangs are so big and so popular? Right? Because people want something to belong to. And isn't it sad in the world that we live in that people would rather be in a gang than be a part of a body of believers? That a, body, that a gang offers them more community, more safety, more love than the body of Christ. Something is wrong with that, friends. But Jesus came so that we might know love. Christmas is a season of love. Can I tell you, friends, that you have something to believe in? More importantly, you have someone to believe in. That someone is named Jesus. And He's offering you eternal life. He's offering you true hope, peace, joy, and love. And so I simply ask you this morning, have you accepted His gift? Have you accepted the gift that God offers you through His Son, Jesus? If not, why not? Why not now? I have some theories, but that's for another day. As I've already asked you, and I want to just call you to remember as well, what are you doing with the hope and the love that you've been given? Are you sharing it? Are you living it out? lastly, can I remind you of something else? God has a plan for each and every one of you. God's plan is that you might believe. That you might be loved. And that you might belong. Do you see that this morning? That you might believe. That you might be loved and that you might belong. What are we to believe in? We're to believe in Him. We're to believe in Jesus. Friends, every Sunday when we come and, 
Every time I get before someone to share the gospel or to share about the Lord, you have to ask yourself, what is the next step that I need to take towards Jesus? I didn't say a leap. Just a simple step to walking with Jesus. What is the next step that you need to take? So believe in Him. Be loved by Him and His followers. Now there's a disconnect there. Many of us come to church and we're faithful. We love Jesus. But do we love those around us? Do we love those in our own body of believers? Those that visit with us? Those that God places in our path? I fail. I'm not perfect at that. And I don't expect you to be either. But God calls us to love one another. To love God and to love others. And lastly, God is calling us to belong. To belong to the family of God. To a body of believers. To a community of those seeking God. And are loving and serving others. Right? People can say, well, you hear it all the time. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Okay. I don't see that. We're called to gather. We're called to worship. We're called to encourage. We're called to love one another through the trials and storms of life. Real quickly, so how do we apply this? Right? How, do, how does this, how can we make this real to, how can you make this real for you? I don't want to chase any rabbits, but I want to ask this question. Admit it. We don't love most gifts we get at Christmas, do we? Why? Well, for one thing, you do these silly gift exchanges and it's like, let's find the cheapest thing we can, right? It could be, too, that we, we've got to kind of watch our budget, so we're just going to spend a little bit, right? Because we have so many people to buy for. So we find the cheapest thing we can. Things that we give aren't useful or that are given aren't useful. It's something else to collect dust. It's the wrong color. It doesn't go with my decor, you know? So what do people do? They either exchange it or return it. And honestly, they might even re-gift it. And don't y'all laugh because I know that y'all have done that, too. But listen, as we shared last week from Alabama, from a song by Alabama called Joseph and Mary's Boy, the gift is just what's in your heart, not what's in your hand. Amen. So as you go to your family gatherings, as you've gone to some of these parties, it's not the gift that you bring in physical form in your hand, but it's what's in your heart, not what's in your hand. So this Christmas, will you step back and enjoy the little things? Step back over the next few days and enjoy the little things. I know I have. And why? Because if we've been preaching and teaching and I've been preparing for this particular service, it's because they involve love. Right? I had, I had a few folks send me cards. Well, that's something special nowadays because how often do you get something handwritten in the mail that you actually want to see? That's not junk mail or a bill. So it took, it was love. It was an act of love, right? They had to take time to 
they had to get the card and they had to write out the card and then stamps keep getting more expensive. It cost them 50 cents to say that they kind of like me or wish me a Merry Christmas. You know, that's a sign of love. So there were cakes and candy. Well, you know, they were made with what? They were made with love. I've been so blessed by the new neighborhood that we're in that people just come over and said, hey, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Here's a cake or here's some candy. Some of our church members have done that too. Hey, here, here, I made this for you. Well, thank you. Because why? It was made with love. A gift card, right? Who doesn't love a gift card? It's the perfect size. You don't have to return it. And who doesn't love Baker Sweets? I got one of those, a Baker Sweets gift card. Who doesn't love Baker Sweets? Now, I end with this one. I got a pocket puzzle. A hundred-piece pocket puzzle from a friend of mine. And I was like, yay, a pocket puzzle. Thank you. But it was a Christmas vacation pocket puzzle, right? But you know what? I'm thankful for that puzzle. Katie wouldn't let me open it. She hopped to it, and she started putting it together. And so guess what? It connected us. Our phones were down, and we were working on something together. Amen? It wasn't about checking Facebook or doing whatever, but she got to a certain point. She got stuck. And so then she was like, come figure this, help me figure this out. And I got to go in and figure it out. And it was fun. And it was, it was a break from just the distractions that we have every day. So as we begin to kind of, as a Terry, to get through the rest of the message really quick. If we know who we are in Christ... We will do what he says and love one another as he's loved us. Right? And I want to ask you this. If we were to do that, how would the church be different? How could we impact Sumter if we loved like Jesus? Listen to this quote by Kerry uh, Newhoff. He's a pastor in Ontario, Canada. He's an author, a speaker, a podcaster. Man, he's a brilliant mind. He's a thoughtful leader. I love reading his work. You know why? Because his passion and his heart is the church of God. Making much of Jesus and calling the saints of God and pastors and leaders of the church to what? Seek after the Lord and to continue the good fight. And listen to what he says. I challenge you with this this morning. Christian maturity is not marked by how much you know. It's marked by how much you love. Some of you know a whole lot. Praise God. But are you loving well? Am I loving well? In December 2010, I wrote these words. It's right after I had, about two years after I had rededicated my life to the Lord. I thought, what a great reminder. It popped up on my timeline this week on Facebook, and I said, well, this is a great way to close this message because it's the truth of why we're together. Christmas is a time of celebrating Christ's birth, which without that would have left the plan of salvation void and therefore mean we were living hopelessly in this old world without the promise of eternal life and all that God has planned for us here and up there. This time of year is also about family, about giving and blessing others. Aren't you thankful that God 
had a plan. He didn't leave us hopeless. He wanted us to be hopeful. He he wanted us to have joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. He wanted us to experience and express love. The love of God which is found only in believing in His Son, Jesus. Jesus came at Christmas time so that you and I would know what true love really means. And I close with this. Jesus invites you into His story. It's a grand story. A life-changing story. And so this Christmas, don't look for hope, joy, and love from afar, but encounter the true hope, joy, and love that only Jesus can give. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this season. God, thank you for what you've taught us these last few weeks about what this Christmas season really means. Lord, that when Jesus came, hope came. That love came. And that joy came. So Father, we thank you that Jesus did indeed come. We thank you that that beautiful baby boy grew and he walked and he talked and he taught the things of God. Father, thank you some 2,000 years later that we are still worshiping you, that we're still focused on Jesus because it's in and through Jesus that we have eternal hope. We have eternal life. Your word says if we'll just confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, we'll be saved. So, Father, I pray this Christmas for those of you who know you. Lord, may they spread the light and the joy and the hope and the love that Jesus brought us. Father, for those that don't know you, for those in our family that may be struggling, those in our family that don't have that peace and that hope and that joy, Lord, use us as vessels of hope and joy and peace. But God, help us to point them to you. Help us to love them as you love us. Help us to forgive them as you have forgiven us. Father, thank you that you loved us enough to send your only son that we may be made righteous in and through his shed blood. That no more sacrifices have to be made. We just have to look to Jesus.